0: Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Was anybody missing the offering they wanted to give? If you would lift that up, um, someone to uh, someone come over and snag that from you. Anybody was missed? Hmm? Say it louder. Keys? You need the keys? Okay. Sorry about that, y'all. <laughs> All right. All um, right. Thanks again for our visitors, those of you, this is your first time with us. We're thankful to God that you have taken the opportunity to chop it up with us today. We know that there's a lot of places um, that you could have gone today. There's a lot of um, communities of faith um, that are, are dope and that are open and excited about having people come through. So, again, we want to thank you all for coming. Just in case you need a seat, it's getting crazy, um, there's some seats right here. Raise your hand if you got a seat beside you. Then there's some seats upstairs. There's about ten of them up in the balcony area. It'll be whoever goes up there. It'll be, don't not like don't like twenty people. Like like they got a seat run upstairs. But um, it'll be the first. You'll be the first group of people to sit up there. Whoever sits up there. Um, so we're thankful for how God is growing this community. As you know, we basically finished the book of John, um, and we were excited about what God was able to develop in us as we got into the book of John. And so now um, we're gonna we're gonna begin a series. In the book of Proverbs. Um, this is really, this series is really going to be a part one, um, through this series because Proverbs is not one of those books that you'd go through verse by verse. It has such a vast amount of topics in it that you kind of want to get all the topics that are talking about the same thing based on those verses, put them together and preach them. And so we're going to preach the first set of topics this time. And, um, I'm just going to open up today really with what, what is a proverb? What is a proverb? Um, and this whole series is going to lay out um, the issues of life, different issues that people deal with real, on practical levels um, with theological emphasis. But then also, what does it look like to practically flesh um, the reality of the Lord Christ out on, your, on our lives at very, very basic levels? Um, chapter 1 is an interesting, interesting chapter, um, especially verses 1 through 7, which we're going to focus on today. But it's an interesting a section because it's kinda of like a syllabus. You know, I remember when, you know, when I was an undergrad in grad school and the first week, you know, everybody would enjoy the first week of school because we're back in everything. But the thing that we dread about the week was syllabus shock. You know what I'm saying? Syllabus shock is when you went to each class and really you didn't get taught anything in that class. Really, the professor would just lay out the syllabus and you'd get the course objectives and you know, what books are required for that particular class suggested readings, um, what's the grade scale going to be, how much this part of the class is going to be, how much is this paper worth, and how much is this project worth, and how much is your reading worth, all those things, how much of those things worth And then, you, then you're able to go from there and then go into what the, spe, uh, the specifics of the assignments are going to be. Then you have a working bibliography. And so that syllabus was really to give you kind of an overview for that particular class so that you would know what to expect. But we called it syllabus shock because we felt like we were just being over overloaded with how much responsibility that we would have during the course of the semester based on that class. Well, in Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1 verses 1 through 7, it's kind of like a syllabus of the book of Proverbs. It's kind of where uh, Solomon um, and whoever comprised it um, comprised Proverbs in such a way that when they laid out the first chapter, they wanted you to kind of get an, a layout of what the book was going to be about, what was the requirement of the student, what are the course objectives. And so I hope that as we go through this um, about 12-week series um, that we're looking at the first time around we're going to do it, um, we want you to really zoom in on what are the requirements of a student. You know, we're seeing today that, that people, that we're in an information age, And sometimes information can fool you into thinking that you have application and um, astuteness in areas that you might not even have them in. And so what's dope about Proverbs is Proverbs is one of those books where all of us gets exposed. You know, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, said that there's only two types of people. There are two types of people. There are wise people and there are foolish people. Proverbs seeks to expose What type of person you are. Many times many times we assume we're the wise person. You know, everybody, you know, I know I'm cool, I'm straight. But Proverbs seeks to nitpick at us, not for us to to wallow in the fact that we have foolish ways, because I bet any one of us can admit we did something foolish this week. Matter of fact, some of us can admit that we did something foolish this morning. Matter of fact, some of us can admit that we got something foolish on our mind right now. So, so everybody has a, a, a tinge of foolishness. The question is, are you characterized as a fool, or are you characterized as the wise? And so, Proverbs seeks to seeks to do that. And I think Proverbs is an excellent book, based on where Epiphany Fellowship is, where we are, and especially us as a community of faith, because we really need to beep up. Our 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 fortitude in our youthfulness. Those of us who who are who are young in years. Who some of y'all are in the first quarter of your life. You only got 25 years under your belt, and then your life didn't start till you really trusted Jesus. Begin getting discipled and walking with Him. So listen, we need more. We need ponder upon. If you're older, listen. Wisdom is for you, and it's going to lay out some beautiful, beautiful things in this chapter. Y'all ready to dive in? That brings me to my first point. The purpose of Proverbs, the purpose of Proverbs, to cultivate character. The purpose of Proverbs is to cultivate character. I'm going to read this whole section and then we're going to dive into it verse by verse. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, equity, to give prudence to the simple, Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Our first point was, The purpose of Proverbs to cultivate character. In these verses, we see, we see that this section of the book unveils the particular person in the Proverbs who is going to be in this section, the spitter or the teacher or the sage, the one who drops weight on the student. And so you got up in this passage, your man Solomon. How many of you have actually heard of Solomon? I don't want to, I don't want to assume that. How many of you heard of Solomon? Hands down, how many of you haven't heard of Solomon? how many of you have read anything about Solomon? How many of you haven't? Honestly, just to be honest, haven't read anything about Solomon. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Well, Solomon was 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 the third king in Israel. There was Saul, there was David, and then there was Solomon. Solomon's name uh, is a play on the word Shalom. Um, his name kind of meant peace, but um, even though there wasn't warring conflict among the people of God during the reign of Solomon, um, his reign in, res- in relation to the application of his wisdom is far away from Shalom. You know, Solomon was a cat that felt overwhelmed with his, his, his weakness in his ability to execute the calling of God on his life. You know, um, David, before his son, before he died in his latter years, says he pulled the elders of Jerusalem together. And he said, listen, he said, man, we got to do some prep work because my son is unwise and inexperienced. What's dope about um, Solomon is he goes before God and he admits how inexperienced he is. How many of us can actually admit how inexperienced, how naive, how low shelf, how immature we are in a particular area of our lives enough where we're able to humble ourselves and actually ask God for the ability to not just be called and to walk in our purpose, but to have the wisdom of how to navigate through our purpose with him. And that's what Proverbs is about in a nutshell. And so Solomon, this sage, Solomon asked for God's wisdom. We saw in 1 Kings 3, uh, verses 7 through 12. Solomon observed the culture in light of God's law. Solomon experienced the mission of God's wisdom. Uh, He was so wise that word got out that God had dropped some things in his soul. And the Queen of Sheba came with mad loot. She came with a caravan. I mean, it would be kind of like uh, it would kind of be like our our equivalent of somebody coming to your house in a parade of Bentleys, um, Land Cruisers. You know what I'm saying? Uh, a, a clo- uh, you know, a rack of clothes coming down the street, spices and and and, and go- all types of things. Because she wanted the, the the worth of wisdom from her worldly standpoint was something that she was willing to pay for. But later Solomon will tell us that wisdom ain't something you can pay for. But the depth of things in relation to this is to show how, how my man Solomon was so laced with God's truth that it was able to get missional engagement of lost people. How many of us are so wise? How many of us are wise enough that lost people want to hear us spit? See, 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 that's when you know that God is really doing something dope in your life. It's when you're such a, you, you you're skilled in such a way where you're able to take the nutrition of the kingdom and take the falsiness of the culture, not merge them, but read the culture in light of, of the truth of God's scripture and be able to engage lost people, them coming to you for advice. Them come. The Bible says there was nothing in her heart that Solomon wasn't able to drop weight in. We need to have that type of witness. So so, so the Bible talks about not just Solomon, but but, but Solomon being a a type of Jesus in his wisdom. And so we're going to lay that out as we we go through these verses. But not only um, uh, did Solomon experience the mission of God's wisdom, Solomon reflects, of course, Christ as the ultimate center and acquirer of wisdom. Here it is, next verse, verse 2, to know. Let's stop there, to know. To know, to know is a, let's, let's just stop at that word. If, if, if we had time, I mean, the words in this verse are, are so pregnant. That if it was a woman who was in labor, she would birth a nation. Because there's a lot in this text. But the word to know here, the word, the word to know here, is a word that's used out throughout the Old Testament literature, which has a, a wide range of meaning. It, it usually is a word that that has the idea of someone. It's a very, it's relational knowledge. It's it's, the, it's not just knowledge that's acquired through the packing away of information. But the word assumes that you're going to have a in knowing something, you're going to have a relationship with someone, something or some place, And we know specifically in this context that it has to do with God. But to know intimately, the word also is used of sexual emphasis. When the Bible doesn't want to say they had sex with each other, the Bible will say, and he knew her. You know the Bible, you know real slick with this, but but, but what's so dope about it is is there's a richness in that terminology that gives it wealth and depth to know. In other words, it talks about having a relationship with that which you acquire as knowledge. Are you with me? And so it's not that you're just filing it away. It's that you actually want to interact with it. You want to have a relationship with it, and we'll talk about how that fleshes out when we get to the word wisdom. There it is, wisdom. To know wisdom. So to have an intimate, engaging, intellectual and heart. Remember, yada is the word here for us um, for, um, for, uh, to know. And so it's a word that means having an intellectual and a heart relationship with someone, something and some, or some place. And here the word is wisdom. Say wisdom. Can you say this after me? Chakma. Say it again. Chakma. One more time. Yeah, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. This is this is a this is a I mean, we're gonna continue to flesh out what this term actually means. We don't have time. We can just spend a series just on what is wisdom. Just on what is wisdom. But let's dive into how God is using it in this text. Hakma is a beautiful word. It means to live skillfully. Y'all remember that old commercial where your man used to say, I got skills. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all might be a little bit past you. But that's what that's what the relationship that this term hakma is. Hakma is a word that means to live skillfully. In other words, when someone has wisdom in something, that means that that's their craft. When you go over to Exodus chapter 35, it will say that, the, that God appointed a group of guys to work on uh, as goldsmiths and different uh, people to work on the tabernacle, and they were saying they were they had hakmah in their craft. They had wisdom in their craft. They were skillful in their craft. In other words, the, uh, wisdom, hakmah is like a vocational term. Y'all got to stay with me. All of this is going somewhere. It's a vocational term. In other words, whatever you have wisdom in you may Make it, you're employed to that particular thing to become a master of it. And in the context of this verse here, it's talking about the believer who is in covenant relationship with Yahweh through Jesus Christ to be able to become skilled in the information that God dispenses through His Word. That means the, the responsibility of the covenant citizen of God's kingdom is to be, it is your craft to know the mind of God. But, but, but not to just stack away information to debate with somebody about. We're talking about character in this section. It's talking about the word of God getting in your life and knowing a, a, a breath, just, 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 just the breath of the ability. You know the difference between two people. You say, man, he knows a lot of verses. He knows the address. But then there's different when you say, man, he's wise. Those are wise decisions. There are people in your life that you know of that don't just chapter and verse you to death. But what they are able to do is they are able to take that chapter and verse and 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 and, and when they when they convey it to you, they pack it in a way that just just that just blows your mind. My grandmother, you know, I be talking to my grandma. I said, "Grandma, what you think about you know, boom, 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 boom." And grandma would say, "Baby." been on this earth a long time. I'm going to tell you right now, every now and then, you got to feed yourself and stop feeding others. Now, that may, and you may take that to as natural, and you'd be like, what is grandmama talking about? And you go away and you meditate on the thing. What grandmama? Then you run into some situations where you've been trying to take care of this person, take care of this person, and you find out you ain't been taking care of your ability to take care of other people. He's like, that's what grandmama was talking about. See, that's wisdom. Wisdom is taking, scooping out the scriptures and it chewing on your, your soul, chewing on it in a way where you have a knack and a skill and an expertise of executing it. See, that's what we need. We don't need more people to quote a bunch of verses. We need people's souls to exegete God's nature through walking through life skillfully. So he he says to know wisdom. He says to be intimately acquainted with what it means to apply God's truth. Oh y'all, can't, y'all not y'all not with me right now. But this is this is a this this is this is rich because we live in a society of, of fifteen minutes of fame. We live in a society where everybody wants everything quick without process. And the sense of wisdom is its it, 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 the sense of wisdom is that a person is not only filing away information, but they're willing to walk in that reality of that information. Throughout the Book of Proverbs. He's going to show in so many areas of life how to walk in wisdom skillfully. In the coming weeks, we're going to talk about, next week we're going to talk about the ideal student. In other words, being teachable. How can how do we become skilled in being able to hear what people have to say to us without getting on the defensive but being receptive for the purpose of growth? What about And we're going to talk about biblical manhood. And we're going to talk about the foolish joker. And the wise one. And we're going to talk about the foolish joker, and, and we're going to look at it in the area of sex. And we're going to look at how is a man a wise man in relation to how he governs what's between his knees and his waist. Oh, so anyway. But, but then we're going to talk about, then in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about the, how a woman becomes wise. We're going to look at some, some, uh, just a fool of a woman in the Bible. I mean, she, she, I mean, just, she just, she, she out there, just, I mean, you, I mean, way out there. I mean, if it was a seashore, I mean, she out in the breakwater with no life jacket, all by herself, a, 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 a foolish one. But then we're gonna look at, what the wise woman looks like. In every area of life, we're going to look at anger. We're going to look at all of these different subjects and say, how do we get wise in these different areas of our life? In other words, you can be 22 years old and live a life like 90 because the scriptures are in your soul. You ain't you ain't got to get... And, and what's funny is, is the idea of wisdom literature is the idea of you learning from other people's mistakes. That's chakmah. See See, what does is hakma goes on the block get them uh, something from you know get them a soda and some chips from the corner store some nylators, and had a little black bag and sit on the block sits on the corner and open up some nylators and just watch folk and you just oh oh look at this you know my my grandma was she liked to watch people we go to the mall i said grandma come on in the store she's said I, I, baby i'm sitting right here y'all walking too much i, I got to sit right here and she sit down man and, and Grandma grandma be sitting there looking around, cracking up, laughing at people. I said, Grandma, somebody going to do something to you. You can't just be, you can't just sit there and say. But what she said, she said, and we get in the car, she said, baby, I was, I was looking at this girl. And, you know, I mean, she had one of them, what them halter things? What you call the halter, the halter top? That's what it is. She had on the halter top. And she know good and well in the name of God's creation she didn't need to have that thing on. Her belly was hanging out and talking to everybody around her, just talking, just looking at everybody. I said, like, Grandma, you can't say that, but you just talk about for she said, But listen, I know the heart matter, baby. See, I know what she's see she 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 looking for attention But she getting, see, she don't want the attention that she going to get from it. Like some people, they got the body for it and they want the attention. They get the wrong attention still, but she going to get the other type of wrong. She said, baby, she need to to work some things out, not just her body. She got to work some other things out. So grandma would just watch people. Wisdom, Hakma, is the ability to watch the lives of others, study their mistakes, and don't make them. See, many of us, we can, I mean, we got reality TV shows that can show you open up somebody's life. You can see everything in their life. I mean, if you want to see some, some, some foolishness incarnate, you just watch like Real World and, you know, my 16th, my sweet 16th, all the kind of crazy old shows, uh, College Hill and all. You're going to see some absolute unveiled ignorance. And I'm not saying study that. I'm talking about get on the block, get out in the life, you know, because some of y'all are veg out. But you need to get in people. You need to get out there and you need to begin to watch people. Many of us have seen uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters, cousins make massive amounts of life mistakes. Some of us saw our daddy make life mistakes. And instead of learning through watching, you don't have to experience ain't a good teacher necessarily. You ain't got to do the actions of a fool because, see, see, when you do the actions of the fool thinking you're going to learn and come out in wisdom, the, you got to understand you're not powerful enough to bring yourself out of foolishness. So when you assume that you're going to go into some foolishness so you can learn some, I got to, you know, I got to get some life. So I'm going to just plunge into ignorance. That you're assuming that you're powerful enough to give yourself wisdom, powerful enough to bring yourself out, powerful enough to repent. No, you can't do that on your own. And so the sense of hakma is for us to watch the lives of others and not to make their mistakes. But it's also the sense of us watching our own lives and not making the same mistake twice. Hakma, we can stay all day on hakma. I gotta move. But then he goes from <clears throat> to know. Wisdom. Then it says instruction. Instruction. This is this is another word I got to park on. Instruction here has the sense. uh, It's kind of like a a, a double entendre. It's two sided. It's a two sided coin. Some of your translations might say discipline. That's a good translation. Or correction. That's a good translation. But I think instruction. Gives kind of the overview that Solomon wants to give. And to know, to be intimately acquainted with the the ability to live skillfully. In other words, to gather God's truth and apply it, but then instruction. Instruction is twofold. Instruction means um, to get intimate with warnings. And get intimate also for unforeseen scenarios. See, what, what, wisdom, what wisdom does, what, what, what this knowledge that he's talking about does, it does two things. It disciplines you to correct you from current error. But then you'll see throughout the book of Proverbs, what he'll do is he will talk about hypothetical situations that he's in. You'll hear Solomon say, man, I saw the fool one day. And I remember the fool and he was walking. he lays out in other words, he's teaching his 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 pupils he's teaching his pupils scenarios to avoid, so to know wisdom and instruction, but then it says then it says right here it says to understand the words of insight to understand the words of insight of course. That's, that's, that's um, the, the continuation of the ideal, uh, of the ability to have skill. But then it says the words of insight. Words of insight mean the ability to distinguish truth from falsehood. The ability to distinguish truth from falsehood. In other words, understanding why sayings such as Proverbs. So it, the, the idea of words of insight is once you accumulate the information from the Scriptures based on God's wisdom... Once you accumulate that, then what you're able to do is to assimilate that. Once you are able to assimilate it and utilize it, it shows itself up in our ability to be able to discern what is God's will and what isn't God's will. When you go over to Hebrews 5, verses 11 through 14, it'll say, it'll say that uh, you know a mature person because they have their senses trained... Their senses trained. Their senses trained to understand good from evil. When, when it says in Romans twelve verse two, it says that you may prove what the perfect will of God is. Well, the word they prove means to take light a fire, to put it in a pot, and whatever something something that's claiming to be the will of God, you put it in the pot. Let the fire of God's truth burn it, and if it is immediately extinguished, then it is exposed as not being of God. But if it remains and stays, then it's God's truth. Well, what we need the skill in and and, and the practical know-how in our lives, in every area of life, is it's not just in... What I want us to understand is this is in every area of life, not parts of our areas of life. And so that means it has practical application in your finances. It has practical application in how you relate in relationships. It has practical application in every area of life. So God's word is user-friendly. But then it goes, and then he says to receive. <clears throat> the sense of this, it says to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To receive sense uh, sense that what is being given um, become the possession of the recipient. And so what happens is, is as a person is able to get into the Proverbs and get into God's wisdom, it's not just that it was said to you, but now that you're able to actually receive it and make it a part of your life. In wise dealing, it's, it's basically talking about how to flesh that reality out in every area of life. Then it says, in righteousness... In justice, in, equity, in, righteousness, in justice, and equity, in righteousness, and justice, and in equity. All it means is, is when the rubber meets the road, you'll have integrity. And we're going to have a time, we're going to have one message on just integrity. Integrity is who you aren't when, when nobody's looking. In, in other words, integrity means when the rubber meets the road, out of God birthing you in Christ... Into his righteousness will you live in light of that righteousness. In other words, the word righteousness here means imputed righteousness, which God puts inside of those who are in covenant with him. Justice here is the reflection also of God's nature by which whenever we get in a situation, will we take care of it? In other words, will we pay our bills? Will we lie? You know, don't don't answer the phone, that's the credit, people. Um, yeah, how you doing? I know y'all been trying to get in contact with me, you know, but my mother, oh man, I mean, you know, my mother, she's doing real bad and I'm not able to pay the bill. So is there anything you, and nothing going wrong. You just went and went to the mall and went out to eat. You went to Olive Garden and you bought you some 125 jeans, some sea stars and then got you some Tim's and then you get, and then it causes you because of mismanagement of your resources. What happens is, is now you got to walk back in wisdom. And so, what he's talking about here is, will you do the right thing when the rubber meets the road? Real simple. Real simple. Will you actually apply God's truth? But then it says, Proverbs' purpose is to give prudence to the simple. Give prudence to the simple. Some of your translations may say naive. Now, check this out. Now, the simple or the naive isn't, that's not a foolish person. That person, by nature of this word, is not a fool. See, the naive is a person that doesn't have wisdom. But if given the opportunity and given wisdom, they will, uh, they will take it, utilize it, and apply it to every area of their life. And the naive and the simple doesn't just mean a person of a certain age group. It means anyone that's not exposed to the mind of God. And so what happens is if, like, like somebody, you'll meet a person, you say, they're so naive because they don't know how things work. You ever met a person that's just naive and, and they seem airheadish. Like, it's not like, it's not that, that, that they, that, and, and you know that they're not being malicious. They just don't know. You know, like 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 we had some missionaries come here one time, and man, the guy, the guy, a guy came and helped out. And he said, man, you know what, I'm just going to bring my family down here, and I'm going to move right down there. I'm going to buy that house, and I'm going to move right there, and I, I'm going to do this. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to start making these people pick up their trash. And I was like... I was like, okay. I said, but I said, but you gotta understand. I said, you see there's a corner store there and a corner store there? I said, you're assuming that they threw the trash out. I said, when people go to the corner store, when they open their ice cream, when they open their chips, and when they start eating their cheesecakes cheesesteak, what's the first thing they do? Drop it on the ground. And so I said, if you lived in this neighborhood for a certain amount of time and you cleaned out in front of your house, and you cleaned out in front of your house and you had block cleanings. And people keep dropping stuff. I said, eventually you're going to say, yo, I'm just going to let it pile up real bad and we maybe will get it or we might not get it. He was like, oh, I didn't know that. And so the guy wanted to receive wisdom. He was assuming, but he was naive. The word of God works that way. The word of God to the naive is to give prudence to the simple. To the simple. I like one, 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 one said, open minded or simpleton, one translation said. But he says, to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth the youth of course here in this passage is a person that is that is unmarried or who isn't betrothed to be married uh, of course prudence prudence is interesting it's not just wisdom but it's wisdom with swagger see see prudence prudence is now that you've gotten the wisdom and you're willing to utilize it, it's sanctified swagger. It's not T.I. tip swagger, all right? So it's not, it's, it's not, it's not Lil Wayne swagger. It's, it, that's not the swagger I'm talking about. I'm talking about a swagger to know that, that you're in a certain type of situation, God has loaded you up with his mind, and what happens is, is you have the audacity to face life with God's wisdom. And that that swagger is the the, the specific ability to know that God is going to meet you in the midst of executing his wisdom. So the person that's prudent doesn't always get afraid when there's a challenge that comes before them. But when they have access to God's mind, they don't let the particular situation that they go through overwhelm them. But because of their passion to please God and for their passion to apply God's truth and for their confidence in the fact that God says the right stuff and that even when life throws you curves, God will meet you, that's prudence. In other words, sanctify swagger. Sanctify swagger. But then we go to our next point. The first one was the purpose of Proverbs. In other words, to cultivate to cultivate character. The second, the second point is the response to the Proverbs. The response to the Proverbs. To gain depth. Say to gain depth. Oh, say it one more time. To gain depth. Oh, man, I like this. It says, let the wise... Hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. I like this. See, now what is beginning to say here is that he says, Solomon says, Whoever listens to the wisdom that God has given to me and utilizes it properly will increase in understanding. In other words, you won't be shallow. In other words, many of us are a mile wide and only an inch deep in our lives. I mean, we're shallow, we lack depth, we're flighty. But no, 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 he says whoever receives God's wisdom will have depth. It's kind of like a ship. A guy was on a ship one time, and a storm came on the ship. And the, and the guy went up to the captain, and he said, Yo, man, the, the boat's kind of just going all over the place. He said, How can you stand here and just chill out? And, and, and the captain said it's a, it's a simple principle. He says, with a boat, he said, especially this kind, he says, there's more that's underwater than there's above water. So that whenever what's above water shakes, what's underwater keeps it from sinking. That's the same way wisdom and insight is. We're supposed to have more underwater than we have above water. But, be, but most of us spend our time putting stuff on the deck and not building anything for under the water. And so what happens is, is when something happens to us in every area of our lives, our, 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 every time a storm comes, any time a time to make proper decision comes, our life turns over. That's because we lack depth. But the good thing about the Proverbs is he's calling to those, and we'll talk about how Proverbs gets out, on, how, how wisdom gets out on the block, Gets in, gets in the neighborhood, gets in the community, and voices its opinion, voices its truth, its facts, and calls to those who want wisdom. In other words, to increase, to give us depth. So when we have, it wants to give us character, but it also wants to give us the ability to have more under the water than we have on top of the water. It's the difference between hood rich and old rich, or new money and old money. See, a person that got new money, you, you know they got new money you know, because they ain't never had money, right? When they get money, they're going to get them some jewelry. First thing they do, they're going to go shopping. They're going to go to Jacob the jeweler. I mean, they're going to have a spinner around their neck. They're going to have pinky rings. You know what I'm saying? They're going to buy th- five cars, haven't thought about insurance, devalue. They, I mean, they ain't bought a house yet. They're still in an apartment. See, that's hood rich. Hood rich is a person that got a Bentley outside but live in a one bedroom apartment or a efficiency. See, that's hood rich. Quick money. Don't know what to do with it. And so you just start spending frivolously. Spending frivolously. I'ma take all y'all out. Drinks for everyone! Everybody. Hey! And everybody get a drink. And you spending up all your money. Amen. man, I love y'all man. Y'all my, y'all my dogs man. We all going down. We going to the clothespin. Let's go get all, I'm getting all y'all something. I'm getting all, 125,000 a piece. Pow, pow, pow. All y'all taking care of. See, that's foolish hood new rich. But see, but see, old rich, old, old, old rich people, they sneaky. And see, old rich, you don't even know they rich. They've been wearing the same jeans for 20 years. I remember they used to have tough skin. I don't know if y'all remember them, with the knee pads in them. I saw this old dude, well, I'm just joking, but um, I saw this dude, man, I mean, got old gear on. I mean, he's smelling like mildew. Ain't got his hair cut. I mean, I saw his car. It was a hoopty. And that dude can write a check without sneezing for $100,000 and not miss it. In other words, hood rich wants to show on the outside that they're rich. But really, see, see, uh, see a hood rich person spends their money fast, whereas a person that's old money, they, are, they live off of their investments. So they don't spend what's in the bank account. They only spend the, in, the interest on what's in the bank account. Oh, y'all don't understand what I'm saying. In other words, that's depth. Depth. That's the difference between the shallow person and the person with depth. And so what we want to do is we want to become a people of depth. We want more under the hood than on top of the hood. We want more in the house that's on the house. We want more on the inside of our heart that's on the external of our bodies. We want to have more. We want people to the more and more they get to see us that there's more that meets the eye. I like Transformers' motto, more than meets the eye. I like that joint. Because it's telling you don't look at the external and sleep on what I can transform into. And see, that's the model of the people of God. You, no matter where you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how many many mistakes you made, if you, you can just start now. If you've been making jacked up decisions, you can start now building depth. See, God isn't a God that rails on you. And then, and, and wants to weigh you down with depression, but God is a God that wants us to feel the sense of our fallenness, our lostness, but then He wants us to pick up His wisdom and move on. And some of us have made so many unwise decisions, and our depression because of our unwise decision has decapitated our ability to walk in application. And God wants to restore you today. God wants to restore you from being a fool to being wise. God wants to to take your life and transform it from the inside out. Even even though everything you want, you won't have now, you may have later. But the big issue with God is, God says, does your soul have vital nutrition? You know, you don't want to be a grits Christian. You know, grits is is good stuff. You know, I like cheese and butter in it. Some of y'all put sugar in it. You know, whatever you put in your grits. But, you know, as good as grits taste, grits has zero nutritional value. But I, I, I taste a, a nasty piece of tofu. Just, I don't, I mean, tofu is, it, it's funky nasty. I mean it's, I mean, it's nasty. You can barbecue it, you can grill it, you can mince it. But, I mean, tofu is just absolutely, unadulteratedly funky nasty. But when you eat some tofu, you getting all types of new protein and stuff. And you, you guy eating protein, lifting weights, you know, like Pastor Deuce all musculated and carrying on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, I mean, he's the protein guy. <laughs> and, and, and so, and so we want to be people who have depth, whose souls are muscular, are muscular with the nutrition of God's wisdom. And I pray that we would become that. But then he goes from there after he talks about, you know, just just the aspect of wisdom. He says to understand a proverb, a saying, words of the wise and their riddles. But then last but not least, and we're going to close on this, the premise of the Proverbs. So we saw the purpose of the Proverbs is to cultivate character. Number two is the response to the Proverbs to gain depth, to gain depth. But last but not least is the premise of the Proverbs, the premise of Proverbs. What is the underlying premise of the Proverbs that, 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 in, that makes it different than secular wisdom? The right motivation. The right motivation. It's in these words that we're going to spend all of this series on Proverbs fleshing out. It's these four words. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a motif that invades everywhere in Scripture. You'll see where where Moses will tell the children of Israel, God is testing you to see whether or not you fear him. Here it says, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Or the fear of Yahweh or Adonai. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. Now, most people, when they hear this phrase that the fear of the Lord is the beginning, they misunderstand what the fear of the Lord means. Know what they miss? Well, know what we all misunderstand the word, the, the, that phrase, the beginning. Because many think the prerequisite for walking in wisdom is fearing the Lord. It's not merely the prerequisite. But it's the prerequisite and that which invades the entire process of walking with God. I like the way Kidner said it. Kidner said, it's not a mere beginner step in wisdom to be left behind, but the prerequisite of every right attitude. Y'all hear that? The prerequisite for every right attitude. So every word of wisdom is the prerequisite for every right attitude. Because we'll get into chapter 4, verse 23, which says, God over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the issues of life. The prerequisite of making sure that jacked-upness don't come out of our heart is the strain called the fear of the Lord. Stay with me. So the fear of the Lord, again, is only so will the world be seen... The right way up and life begin to reveal its intended pattern. In other words, uh, uh, this, 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 this intentional step of, of the fear of the Lord is the motivation of the heart that says, because I have a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I am going to look at life in light of fear. Now, now, now let's look at the word fear. The word fear is is a word that I don't like the way many commentators try to make it lack the terror because there is a sense in the fear of the Lord where there's a terror of God because listen um, when the, when they saw some people when the children of Israel saw some people die when they touched when they touched or what they weren't supposed to touch folk backed up and it says and they feared the Lord when Ananias and Sapphira lied to the Holy Spirit. And, um, you know, say, oh, we gave all and they only gave half. And the Holy Spirit sovereignly took their life. The person of the Holy Spirit took their life. The Bible says, and fear went over everyone. So the fear of the Lord is a sense that God will get my behind. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. He will get us. But then, but then on the other hand, there's a reverent fear. Listen. When you, when somebody, like if somebody just called you out other Cleveland, I say Vic, I need you to help me. Uh, I need you to come over here, help me out in the rain, change my tire. You'll be like, I mean. And y'all, y- y- y'all don't have no, you're like, I don't know, man. I mean, you gonna, it's gonna, you gonna feel, but if it's, but if it's somebody you talk with regularly or you have a relationship with, if they say, Vic, can you come over and help me change my tire? You're gonna be like, oh man, babe, I got a role. am um, so and so is stuck out there. In other words, relationship motivates you in a way that a lack of relationship doesn't. That's the fear of the Lord. See, listen, the fear of the Lord develops in you a heart motivation in your affections for God, what God likes and what God doesn't like. And when he asks you to do hard things, you're willing to go in the rain for him. Because he's going to ask you some hard things. And listen, and he'll bring some stuff your way to see if He's always testing you to see if the fear of the Lord is in you. In other words, will you respond to me when the rubber meets the road? Um, um, you ever, you ever had somebody interrupt you when you were in the best part of a show and you, you got the best position, the pillow's still cool and chilled and you know, cause I be turning my pillow back and forth over, you know what I'm saying? So to keep it cool cause I like, I don't like when it get hot and sweaty, I'm ready to turn it over cause it get cool until I go to sleep. And so if I'm in a good position and my wife say, "Babe," I really, Really knee boom, boom. I'm sitting, I'm like. Babe, I, I mean, the bed has surrounded, like, right in the right areas. I'm like, babe, the pillow is filling the gap right here, and it's it's just, a, I, I can't get this back. I can't, you know what I'm saying? I can't get this back, baby. You know what I'm saying? Don't be, I mean, uh, she said, well, you know, she'll kind of give me that uh, Christ loves the church stuff. And, um. Uh, <laughs>
1: in her eyes,
0: and she, I mean, she'll look at me like, is, is, is your bed really a cross, baby? And I'm just kind of like, dang, let me go. let me." Let. Now she put it that way. I guess he can restore the years that the locusts have eaten by giving me back my pillow section. In other words, relationship relationship motivates you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. The fear of God, the fear of Jesus in our lives. Listen. The reason why many of us don't follow God is because we don't have a relationship with Him. Many of us don't cultivate fellowship with Him so that when His voice comes, it matters. See, what happens is, is when God has so arrested your soul, when He's, I mean, if you've never been arrested, don't worry about this one. But, but, But if you've been arrested by the living God, then... Obeying him matters. Doing what he says matters. In other words, it'll make, it'll make you turn away from stuff that your flesh wants to do. There have been some times where I wanted to visit my past sins as a pastor. I ain't talking about when I first got with the Lord. Some people like to say, oh, when I, when, you know, when I first started walking with the Lord, you know, it was some stuff just hit me. No, stuff hit me now. And I want it's, to, it's times, it's times where I don't like the situation that God, I covet other people's possessions. I covet other people's wives. I covet, hey, I'm speaking. Listen, and I have to come back to the fear of the Lord that stops me from committing adultery, that stops me from watching pornography, that stops me from lighting my blunt. The blunt listen, every now and then when I'm going down the street and we prayer walking and I smell the aroma of a blunt, it smells pretty good to a brother. I ain't going to front and I run a re- re-smoke a blunt. Just one puff. Every now and then, I want to get drunk, y'all. Now, some of y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. But listen, if you don't admit that you got issues, you will never grow spiritually. See, if you like fronting, fronting on yourself, see, you front. See, if you're a fronter, oh, everything's okay. You're a liar. <laughs> if anyone says, if anyone says he does not have sin, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. The fear of the Lord means knowing God is just, God never changed, God never wigs out, I do. Because I wig out, I need your help, God, by your power to stop me from wigging out. Listen, I can wig out right after church. I can preach a sermon, leave this place, and wig out like a freaking fool. But the restrainer called the Spirit is constantly nurturing me in me a passion for God's glory. Now, what happens is, is that God accumulates glory for himself on your life through you walking with him, through you getting with him in prayer, through you getting in the word. People, you developing a good reputation among people. And then what God wants, to, he's storing up kind of you as a commercial of what it looks like to be in a relationship with him. But what happens is when we risk the accumulation of that glory by not fearing God, we're acting foolishly. And so God, it's some of you who've blown it. God wants to restore the fear of the Lord in your life. He wants to, he wants to restore a right response to his truth. He wants to, he wants to restore the years that have been eaten away by the locusts because of disobedience. He wants to restore, listen, but you have to respond to him. Listen, you got to begin. God has to unharden your heart. You got to pray, God, unharden my heart. Whenever there's willful sin, your heart gets caked over. With hardness, unresponsiveness, and unresponsiveness is the beginning of foolishness. Just like fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. So so what does fear of God produce in our lives? It produces real Christ-likeness or real Christianity. It produces a new way of living. It, it, it gives us the ability from turning from rebellion to becoming teachable. We'll talk about that next week. The influence of Christ in all decisions. We'll talk about that. Pastor Deuce, I, I told him, he's real strong in teaching this. I said, Pastor, I want, you to teach us on, I want you to teach us how to make decisions in the will of God. Making decisions and knowing the will of God. I said, I want you to teach us that, please. We need it. Practical application of the sovereignty of the triune God. Let me say something right there. I hear a lot of cats out here talking about God is sovereign. He can do what he wants. Well, proper fear of God responds to that, not as God esoterically out there somewhere being in control of everything, but it also is our submission to his sovereignty to applying his truth. Contentment when our passions are elsewhere. It produces, the fear of the Lord produces contentment when our passions are somewhere else, you ever were in the right situation with the wrong desires huh. and your desires that you're having at that moment make you want to blow the situation that God has placed you in. Well, fear of the Lord will help you to live in light of where God has put you rather than where you want to be. We going to keep going. But listen, I'm telling you, you you got to be able to be at that point in all of it. It's every day. It's not like you get there, okay, I'm here, bad ow, I'm going to stay here for the rest of my life. No, you got to be constantly being shaped by God to remain faithful to him in relation to fear of him. Contentment when our passions are elsewhere. Enjoy, a fear of the Lord actually helps you in, to enjoy what God has given you. Fear of God helps you to enjoy what God has given you. In other words, when you're in a situation and God has actually blessed you, some of us look for the next blessing rather than enjoying the blessing that he just gave you. Fear of the Lord says, in light of God being sovereign over all creation, I'm not going to ask for an upgrade. I'm going to enjoy what he's giving me right now. <laughs> Give gifts. Uh, God gives gifts that benefit of uh, uh, giving God the benefit of the doubt. Giving God the benefit of the doubt. In other words, not blaming God for our catastrophe. Take pains to live life in concert with Yahweh's created order. We'll talk about that in further weeks. Then finally, accept the whole, listen to this, as well as each step in one's journey with Yahweh as an intimate unveiling of his invisible attributes. Let me say that again. The person that fears the Lord accepts the whole as well as each step of one's journey with Christ as an intimate unveiling of his invisible attributes. In other words, in every place in your life, God is consistently revealing himself to you. If you're, in, if you're in college now, God is revealing himself to you. If you're in the workforce, God is revealing himself to you. If you're married, if you're, if you, no matter what, if you're broke, God is revealing himself to you in your brokenness. If you got loot in the bank, God is revealing himself to you in the loot being in the bank. If, if, if you were able to, to scrounge up the money to go to the laundromat next door and wash your clothes, God is revealing himself in the scrounging up of the money when you went between uh, the seats of your couch and the couches in the student union to try to get some money to go over here and get your clothes. God is revealing himself in the most minutious parts of every area of life. The fear of the Lord sees everything in light of God revealing himself to them. If you're under God's discipline right now, he is revealing himself intimately to you. (laughs) The goal of all of this, the goal of all of this is like Paul said, told Timothy, as I close, he says, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart of sincere faith and a clear conscience. That's the beauty of the teacher in this passage. But then he says, the fear of of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction the fool is a person characterized by moral folly they might be mentally intelligent but they are morally foolish no matter how much information we have if we're not applying God's truth we're fools there there are two types of people again They are the wise and they are the fools. The question we have to ask ourselves is which are we? And God, listen, God is trying to make all of us wise beyond our years. God is trying to get us from being naive. He wants us to be beasts in his kingdom. God wants us to be able to have a life that's overtly and flagrantly enriched with his spirit. And so that takes submission to the truth of the gospel. The fear of the Lord is really faith. It's summed up in faith. In faith in the person of Jesus Christ that he will empower us to walk in the truth of everything that is wise and true. But the question is today, what are you building your life on? The, the worst statement that someone can make is you got to use wisdom. You ever heard somebody say that? You got to use wisdom. And I always ask him. What wisdom? <laughs> what wisdom? In other words, we usually when people say you got to use wisdom is the Bible is saying too much that's hard right now, so what I got to do is is not rewrite the Bible but not utilize it in this at this point in time. That's what a fool does. But the wise say we know that the the that that God who is powerful is able to make us wise in the scriptures for the application of his truth in every area of our lives. So again, the purpose of the proverbs, the purpose of the proverbs is to cultivate character. Next, the response to the proverbs is to gain depth. And and and, thir- and last but not least, the premise, the premise of the proverbs, the premise of the proverbs is the right motivation the fear of God. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that laces us, laces us, um, that develops us.